0: Good, friendly group, huh? Did, it, did anybody meet anybody new? Just raise your hand if you, get a couple people. Okay, good, good. Maybe you're new. You're like, I don't know anybody. So we hope, you hope we feel friend a friendly crowd of people. Um, here, here's a little warning. All these people, they're really friendly. When you get to know them, they're not as normal as you think, just so you know that. And you're not either, so we we know that as well about us. But we're a pretty good group of people. I've said it over the years. Like, if I didn't pastor the church, I'd probably come here this is a good church this is a great church actually and so we're glad you're part of that and i'm gonna say probably i would be here you guys are doubting that but no it's it's great if you're online it was so good to have you as well to participate with us uh in between seahawk game your commercials you're watching no i'm kidding i'm just trying no one's work with me here today folks okay thank you for that um, but if you are new, we hope you have a, a really good experience. One of the things we have these—you saw in the opening video—we have a, a connection card. You fill that out. We got a gift for you. But the big thing also is prayer. We would love to pray with you. You can, you can do that as well. So drop that off on our, in the box in the back. But we're going to jump in our our series today. We're doing a series called King of Hearts, and I want to talk about calling a bluff. And and there's been a time where, you know, I've had people do things to me, trick trick me in different things. And and you know, you you call them on it at times what they try to do. And let me let me give an example is uh, Chris and I we were youth pastors what, 13 years and we had different sets of students and some of the students really stood out as others. And one of them the 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 guys I've been thinking about this week is a guy named Stephen. And Stephen was our our youth ministry and he was just a prankster. He would do all kinds of tricks and different things and just a jokester. And and I thought there was, there's a moment an opportunity that I could get him back, okay? And so it was actually a winter retreat up in Canada. Lindy and Jerry, you might, I don't know if you guys here in our youth group if you went to this retreat, but they but they know who Stephen is. And Stephen decided, as I was telling everybody to go to bed, it's it lights out, time to go to your dorms. Stephen decided he's a Meridian big Meridian football player, picks me up, okay? And I'm still about the same size I was back then. And puts me over his shoulder, kind of like a fireman's carry. And I think he realized maybe I was a little heavier than I looked. And drops me, like like really hard. And, and, and not in a way like, you know, like he meant to do that. But I just, I felt pretty hard. And I thought, you know, this kid, he's always playing around, always doing things. And so I, I kind of felt the pain a little bit. But I decided just to lay there and close my eyes. And it was a good, maybe it seemed like eternity for my wife. Dear My wife, she's looking, she's like, what, did you know, and and here Steve is going, oh my gosh, I killed our youth pastor, and you know, he's just, you know, at that place, and I'm just laying there, and I'm hearing all this, and then I hear my wife's voice, Dan, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that to any longer. And so I just, I just spring up, and I go, gotcha, you know, and that kid, I mean, he goes, you punked me, and he was, you know. And and so you know I bluffed him a little bit, right? I, and it was it felt so good to get back at him like right, that and do that. Now he's a he's a school counselor. For, now that's what he does. He's this really kind of funny thing. Now he deals with problem children like he was. Have you ever had to? you ever call someone's bluff before? Today we're going to talk about that. Calling a bluff. You know, we're in this little series of King of Hearts. And again, we're not we're not talking about gambling here. We're not talking, I'm not a wheeler dealer or anything like that. But there's a challenge at times for us. Because there's a face-off that we're going to look at today. And it's pretty famous. It's a pretty famous one. If you're doing our growth guides, you know what we're getting to. And we're getting into this, this very big showdown. Bigger than any WWE Smackdown. Okay? This is what is a classic story that millions of children talk about, have talked about in Sunday school throughout history. It's the underdog story facing a trained professional. And so as we go through the life of David, the one that will become king, here's this moment, this battle, a battle against a a giant. This is an epic battle that we're going to recap here today, but let me back us up a little bit that brought us to this valley that we're going to look at. David was, last week as we look, was anointed king, though in Scripture, in our small group, we we're deciding, did he know he was or not? He knew something was coming. He was being anointed for doing something special by the prophet Samuel. And the reason he was selected to be the anointed one is because the guy before, who was supposed to be king, and, and here he is currently still king as we get into the story, which makes it really awkward when there's going to be a new king and you're already king, And we'll look at that tension here in the weeks to come. That king did not fulfill what God had for him. He says, I've got another. And here's this moment where you see this setup that's happening where a shift happens of anointing from Saul to David. And when we get into this, we'll get into the inner battle. This is an outer battle that we're looking at That is so overt, it challenges the nation of Israel, no matter who the king is in power. And it's 1 Samuel 17 that we're gonna look at here today. And you gotta picture just the battle, if you watch any kind of epic war movie, there's two war, you know, two armies that are on, on both hillsides, and there's this valley. And Israel is on one side, and their arch enemy, the Philistines, are on the other. And there's this valley, it's called La. And in L.A. in Hebrew means oak. We're going to talk about a battle at Oak Valley today. If you're going to write an Old West novel, that's what we're calling it. The Battle at Oak Valley. And we're going to read it in the message version. It's a different translation. And the reason for that is many of you know the story already. It's very interesting to read it in a different, a different version. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. It says a a giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open and Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. Bronze was his metal that he liked. (laughs) His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds, okay? So just picture, like, he made sh- sh- the shack, you know, compare him to, like, like, this, you know, the shack would look like Tyler Lockett, okay? that th- This guy is massive, okay? And this armor. And it says this, Scripture says that 40 days straight, 40 days straight, Goliath would taunt them, calling out for a duel challenge the army of israel this is what he said he said so pick your best fighter and pit him against me if he gets the upper hand and kills me the philistines will all become your slaves but if i get the upper hand and kill him you all become our slaves and serve us i challenge the troops of israel this day give me a man and let us fight it out together now imagine you're israel the of israel what's happening they're, they're well, they're shaking in their boots. It says in verse 11, And when Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost hope. They are terrified and lost hope. I think for our lives many times we, we find that, that fear takes over us. And when fear takes over us, we can kind of sense a loss of hope, can't we? We're terrified. We're not real hopeful for anything that comes, at least in a positive way. When we fit, come face to face with the giant challenges we have, the problems and the difficulties can overshadow us in such a degree that what grips us is fear. Have you ever had fear grip you? It just comes over you. It almost jumps on your back at times. When you hear the news or, or, or you know, news of something, or if this feeling comes over you and overwhelms you at life. And sometimes we can declare victory or actually declare defeat very, very fast, can't we? Whether it's unemployment, cancer, uh, divorce, painful loss of a loved one, emotional trauma, past abuse, this giant comes and intimidates us to the very core, and it creates fear in our lives. And what we find is, I don't know about you, but what I find is that fear is actually the bigger giant than the giant problem. That fear itself. You, you probably have heard that famous line, it's the only thing we have to fear, it's fear itself. That was spoken in, in right in the height of the Great Depression by Fra- uh, President Franklin Del Roosevelt. Trying to calm a nation, that we're going to get through this. But it's, it's so true, isn't it? Fear, the only thing we fear is fear itself. Fear itself becomes the, the the giant. It really it really is. I mean, I know we have the devil. The devil is the, the ultimate enemy. But the Bible says that that Jesus came in to destroy the devil's works. So we really don't have to fear the devil, ultimately. He can't destroy us, but he sure can distract us, right? And he can distract us with the power of fear in our lives. And we must somehow face the fear. But here's the challenge of fear— Fear is so intimidating, isn't it? Fear is like a bully. You, maybe you face the bully where you're at, and it's it's control, it's power over you, and, and it's leveraging you in such a way that you, you feel it. It says this, of, of fear is that about 80% of the things that we fear never happen. But what about the 20%? Right? You've heard the old adage uh, uh, thing It says, Fear is, you know, false evidence appearing real. What could happen, that possibility is there. We do the what ifs of life, don't we? We, you know, what if I get sick? What if I get lost? What if I get fired? What if I get rejected? What if a person walks out of my life? What if someone dies? All these, what happens to my kids? What, you know, all these different things happen fear does this. And what fear does, it causes to to retract. It causes to go into a, a place of safety. And I get that. There's times in life that we need to pull the safety, but if we stay too long in safety and isolate ourselves, and it, it actually holds us hostage, and we are in prison to our own fear. So I want you to think about fear that way. Fear is like the giant that's staring us down into this valley in our lives. Why in the valley? Because typically it's in the valley. Typically it's in the valley that we're at the lowest point is where fear is. Becomes that bully to intimidate us So here's our thought for today is this When we allow the king of our hearts to fight our fear We can experience true freedom When we allow king, Jesus, the king of our hearts Help us fight our fear We can experience true freedom I bet in this room today There's people that are gripped right now With some sort that's t- attached that has fear to it It is the fear of something Fear of, a, of the future is typically the fear of what's going to happen next or what, what, what a current situation you're dealing with that's gripped you right now. This is for you, and well, it's for me as well. See, the people of Israel wanted a king like themselves one time with, with Saul, but what they desperately need is a king to defeat their enemies. One massive dude, the enemy that was in front of them was this giant, and he taunted them day and night day and night morning and evening for 40 days that voice that was there day and night day and night some of you know that voice that voice of fear that speaks to you in the morning it speaks to you at night typically it wakes you up in the morning and it's hard for you to go to sleep at night that's that voice well that that voice was heard by a boy don't know the age, wasn't that old. He wasn't old enough to go and in, into the battle with his brothers. They were, they were on the front lines. But he, he went, and it says in verse 23 of 1 Samuel 17, it says that David heard him. He heard him. He heard the giant. He heard Goliath mocking and taunting. And there was this something that rose within him, almost like enough is enough. Somebody has to do something. David rose up, and he readied himself, and he was ready to call out the giant's bluff. And that's really what we have. So again, this is kind of showdown at sundown, you know, old, if old west novel. Call it a, calling a bluff at Oak Valley is what we're going to talk about. The first thought of this when you're calling a bluff is don't be surprised when the those closest to you don't become your great don't, be, don't become your greatest supporters. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Those close, you don't become your greatest supporters. I think we've had moments where we've been enthused by something, that, to take on something and do something, and we've had naysayers that come right away. And that's really what was happening with, with David. He's a young shepherd boy. He's going out, and he, he's, his job was to go and bring lunch to his brothers that are out there in the battle lines. And he's, he's, he's out there. He's hearing this Goliath day in, day out. And like, somebody's got to do something about. It. Somebody better take care of this guy. Are you going to take care of this guy? You can't let them do that. Just pipe down, David. Go, keep it cool. Do not say anything. We're, you know, that they were so gripped with fear. They, they, they were so, at times, minimizing him. That David knew. They were saying, David, you don't belong out here. In fact, you can read how the brothers treated him. One specific, the oldest brother. They, he, he. And you, some of you know this in your own life You you maybe are the small one in the family Or the youngest one in the family And, and you just don't really get the treatment That you, you're hoping to get And you're put down And your values are put down The Bible doesn't say this But you think about this He's the youngest one that is anointed That one day be the king And guess how many brothers do you have last week? Was it seven? Seven other brothers probably were a little jealous Especially the oldest one who should be the one That it was anointed And what we find is this in our lives is that when some people are not happy, they want to make you not happy as well. And see, jealousy is almost a cousin to fear. Jealousy is a fear because it's fearful that someone's going to get more than you are. If they do, how about me? Why don't I have it? And it was gripping this group. In fact, this whole nation was gripped by this fear. But David continued to be vocal about it, and it caused him to go before the king. And so he was able to go, and he said, Master, because the king's going, what, what's going on? Why, why, is this, why is this young guy acting and speaking out the way he is? And, and this is what it says in verse 32. Master said, David, don't give up hope. I'm going to fight this Philistine. Can you just picture this little guy, this, this young guy? He, 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 he's going to go out there and like, you're crazy. What, what are you doing? Saul's reaction, well, that was his MO, was, was fear. And look at, he says, you can't go out and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And I've been at this fighting business, he said, because at this fighting business since before you were born. He's saying, listen, I've got the experience. There's no way you're going to do this. Have you ever been told you can't? You're too young. You're too old. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. I can't, really. It can be suffocating in, in our lives. Many times in my life. I've been told, I can't do something. And I don't know about you, sometimes I get defeated rather quickly, and then sometimes there's something that rises up within me. And I'm like, wait a second. No, there is something we're going to do, and we're going to accomplish. But I find this is, I can'ts can be contagious. They spread like diseases, don't they? They affect, they affect people, families, small groups, churches, communities, even our country, until someone says, I'm standing up, and enough is enough. And what I find is this, is there's, there's not a lot of I can'ts in the Bible. At least there might be humans saying it, but God never says it. What, is, what does God say? He goes, he, he, through Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a determination that we have. I tell you, the I can'ts, they can be the, the cheap, the, they're usually said from the cheap seats. One of another presidential uh, well relative of, of Franco Del Roosevelt was Teddy Roosevelt. And he makes this speech about those that it's called the man in the arena. It's the it's the people that get out of the seats and and come on to the field. This is what he says. I love this. He says, it's not the, the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs only who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does act actually strive to do the deeds, who knows a great who knows great enthusiasms, the the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who is at the best, knows in the end of the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or know defeat. Man, I don't know if that fires you up. That fires me up. This I can not in life. This week, you're going to spend some time with people, and they're going to be negative people. And I'm not saying you don't learn from people's mistakes. You don't take wisdom and caution. Don't throw it out in the wind. But there's times there's going to be negative people coming around. There's going to be the naysayers. There's no way we can tackle this. There's no way we can accomplish this. David did not fear or didn't let fear to become a lid in his life. He didn't let others define him of that. He got in the arena, and he was calling a bluff at Oak Valley. You see, if you do this, you have to be who you are in order to be who God wants you to be. You have to be who you are in order to be who God wants you to be. I look back at some of my embarrassing moments in life as a young adult, and it had to do with dating. Okay, as I share this with you, some of you also will cringe as well when it happens. But I, I was friends with a girl in college, and. She was great We were again friends We hung out together I think we liked each other I think I liked her She kind of I think I, I, I think she liked me I wasn't sure we We're just letting it go And flow as it did Until one of my friends Says to me Hey She really likes you And she, I go She does And in that moment I somehow turned Turned into a different person In fact my friend goes You need to change Different you can going to wear Different clothes you need to smell differently. You need to w- wear cologne. I'm like cologne. I don't need. Eat- That's for women. No, men wear cologne too. What? You I know, mean, I didn't know all this stuff. And he—he was molding me and shaping me in his image of who I think he, I, I would be—the dateable person. Well, can I tell you? It wasn't me. I was wearing clothes and doing things that weren't me. It was cringy. It was awkward. she's like, "No, I don't think I'm really interested in you." And no, we're not going to be friends anymore. Okay, and like ruin my friendship. God knew though. I didn't need a brunette. I needed a blonde. Okay, and so that all worked out. It all worked out. I. It, sometimes, like what not to do, really helped for the for the the one that really God had for me. Now, all that to say is that's kind of what David was facing. David, David, basically the. The, the pressure came on of him somehow having to conform now to be this warrior. And, and Saul comes along and says, Here, I've got some duds you need to wear. You can't wear, you gotta dress the part, dude. You gotta, you gotta wear the right clothes. And he goes in his closet to bring out this battle armor. Well, scripture says in verse 38, David tried to walk, but he couldn't hardly budge. Picture this kid in this adult, you know, body armor, and it isn't working for them. How many know you will never be comfortable being someone else in someone else's armor? You'll never be comfortable with what someone else and how someone else's life is. It's not not your life. It's their life. Listen, I know you can learn from other people's examples. We can respect their opinions and we can take advice. But know this. You are not them. You, this is profound, are you. You are who you are, and you are who God is creating and shaping to be the unique you, that you are, not uniquely shaping this, what someone else and some other version of that. And we need to hear that, don't we? We need to hear that at 12 years old. We need to hear that at, at 62 years old. That's so important not to try to be who we're not. David, enough at his young age, was comfortable with himself and goes, "That's not me." Verse 39, he says, I, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. David realized the best place to be is in his own skin. Shed in what others are trying to define him to be and to be who he is. He was calling his own bluff. He was starting with himself. That is who you and I need to start with only could be who you are uniquely God called called you to face the fears that are in front of you it's not a fit wear and put on and live who God has created you be and who he wants you to be and it's not someone else it's, it's you now when we call the bluff at Oak Valley know this is the enemy enemy's bark is worse than his bite enemy's bark is worse than his bite I want you to, you know, you picture this 10-foot giant, you know, of Goliath, you know, this Goliath. He was not just any old dude. He was a trained warrior, trained gladiator, okay? You've probably seen gladiator with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe would be crying like a baby, okay? Or this, okay? David wasn't filled with stupidity. He was filled, actually, with God's spirit. It wasn't just like, I'm just going to be, you know, a suicide mission, though people thought it was. Look at what he says. He comes out. Goliath sees him. And I love the, how the message describes what happens prior to the, this, this this battle that's going to take place. It said, he took one look down on him and sneered. This is Goliath. Mere youngster, apple-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. The Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said David. The Philistine, I'll make you roadkill of you of you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into tasty morsels for the field mice. I just love the description there. David, at this moment, was overcome with the real enemy, and the real enemy he was facing was fear himself. I don't care whether it's a ten-foot giant or a ten-inch something well the 10 foot I'll take the the 10 inches I'll take over the, the, the 10 foot but the real issue is coming down to this how fear and intimidation affects us and now what are we going to do with it and that's what David was facing it came down to trusting God in what already he has done and will do to be battle ready see we can't even realize that for as followers of Christ is that the war has already been won the devil comes to threaten us, the devil is a bully, and he he he, he brings fear to us. But as he is described, First Peter, do not be aware of this. You know, our devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking whom, whom we devour. We need to realize he's a, he's a, he's he's defanged through the power of Jesus. What we're going to in a few minutes here. We're going to remember the cross of Jesus through communion. We need to know that, as Paul says, where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? It's, it's, it, at the end of the day, we're not destroyed. The enemy is. But we're intimidated so much by him. He's saying your problems, your issues, your sickness, your pain, and your hurt. Your, it's piling piling on. And Jesus is saying, no, I won the battle for those things. Now it's time to live that out. Now it's not to live, be cocky about this. But if God is for us, who can be against us. And the answer is nobody. Even even the giants of fear that come our way. See, calling a bluff at Oak Valley is this when you when you stand up, you may stand alone, but you're really not alone. When you stand up you you, you may stand alone, but you're really not alone. David knew those who were behind him. They just happened to be way behind him. <laughs> he was the only one in the valley. He was the only one there, but he knew he wasn't the only one that was going to fight his battles. L- listen to, he almost gives Goliath the what for here. I love this. He says, David says, he says, I cu- you come at me with a sword and spear and battle axe, but I come at you in the name of God of the army, uh, of the angel armies, the God of Israel troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me, and I'm about to kill you. Cut your head off and serve you up, your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God does, doesn't say by means of sword and spear. The battle belongs to, the, to God. He, he's handing you to us on a platter. <laughs> Very detailed here, David. He's like, This is what I'm going to do to you. That was a lot, of, that is pretty amazing the boldness that David had. But because somebody needed to do this, somebody needed to step up and do it. God gave him the courage to do it, but it really came down to him stepping in and into the valley to actually do it. It's a time to take a stand for us. It's a time to take a stand as well. If we know our God of the angel armies is there and on our side, will we step in and step out and step on to the place God has for us? And really standing up. And standing up for the people that need Others to be standing up for. So where David was not just standing for himself; he was standing for an entire nation. Question is: Are we standing for the people in our community, the people that are that are hurting, the people that are intimidated by fear and and and, and, and broken and hurting, and, and and they're just so in a place of lossness? Are we willing to stand up? You know, tonight is that prayer gathering. That's what we're doing. We're standing up and we're taking a stand in prayer and battling and the heavenlies for people in our community as a community when we go alone the battle is that we're not alone we're not alone in the battle he fights our battles and we can cry victory now david gives your heads on a planner speech know this though lastly to call a bluff it's not really about what's in your hand it's about who you trust it's not always in your hand. It's who you trust. Now, listen what's in his hand. It says this. Scripture says they that roused the Philistine. And he started toward David. David took off from the front line, running toward the Philistine. David reached in his pocket for a stone, swung it, and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead. Embedding the stone deeply, the Philistine crashed face down into the dirt. I want you to picture this. This this stone right here, this actual stone, comes from the valley of L.A. It comes from the very valley. My, my friend Blake Adams, who is now with Jesus in heaven, used to serve as our, as our set-up tear when we were in when the school, 15 years ago, when we were in the school. And Blake would be the one running the truck and setting up chairs, and and he was. And one day he he decided just out of a blue one sunny he says, "Here's that rock from that valley. This is the rock from Oak Valley. Pretty significant rock, isn't it? Pretty good size. Maybe probably the size that possibly that that David put in his sling. But you need to know David's sling wasn't a toy little slingshot. It was it was a war of a weapon. In fact, Ma, um, Magnum." Gladwell in his book on David and Goliath talked about that that if you're a skilled uh, able to sling skillfully Chris David had that ability as, as fighting off uh, wild animals as a shepherd if you do it skillfully it's a like a 45 caliber gun and that's really what hit and he did hit great shot between the the temple hit him in the right spot to take down Goliath but we need to we need to recognize this as it says this that, 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 that David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him. Because this is what's going on. It wasn't just about the, the weapon. It was about God and what he's going to do. And it says this, he, that David ran up on the Philistine and stood over him. And I think they kind of left this part out in the Chil- Precious Children's Bible, you know, if you guys know what kids. He pulled the giant sword from his sheath, finished a job at cutting off his head, and when the Philistines saw that their great champion was dead, they scattered and ran for their lives. I think it was a great reminder for us is that to find true freedom is that, is, is that, that God's weapons matter. And what he has, not what we have in our hand, but who is in our heart that matters. To live that way of the, the king who is to fight our battles. I'm going to invite our team to come get ready here in a moment for our communion. And as we prepare here today, I want us to, of course, think about the giants in our lives. And again, it's not what's in your hand, it's who's in your heart. The king of hearts. Because there's something within each of us that God is preparing us for the battle that we're going to face. I don't know what the battles you're going to face this week, but I tell you, the biggest battle isn't isn't with your employment. It isn't your finances. It isn't with your spouse. It isn't with your kids. It's not with the neighbor. It's not. It's not the the politics of that you're the opponent you're going to vote for or not vote for. That that no the biggest the biggest battle is I, th- I think for all of us is fear. If we can overcome fear in our lives, it's one of the greatest greatest places of freedom that we have and that God has designed for us. I don't know what's intimidating you right now. But I tell you, it happens. I I love the story of, of many you know, the name Michelangelo, you know, artist, and he 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 shaped this statue that we have called David, the giant killer. And I I we're only showing the waist up on that one. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you know the story of this, but there's this big marble uh, slab of you know, big rock. It was actually called the giant. And artists wanted it, but there was a problem. There was like, a, there was like this, this gaping hole in the, in the deep in the center of the column of it, and it made it very fragile. It was very difficult. It was very intimidating. This big marble. It, and and they, they literally call this, the, the, this marble a giant. There's like, who's going to accomplish it? Well, in 1501, this unnamed, un, you know, not very famous guy named Michelangelo says, I will take it on. And in taking on the giant, he carved David the giant killer. And I love that story in the sense, and here's our question I have for you. Are there any giants that God is chipping away in you today? Is there some things they accomplished? Yes, it could be one moment to knock it out, and God can do this, but I also believe there's things in our life that are giants that we're trying to get over. But the biggest giant that we have is fear. The God who reigns, wants to reign in our hearts, wants us to deal with that fear, to fight off that fear to give us that freedom but here's the irony of it is this the hero of the story is not you and it's not me the one that's in the valley is Jesus Jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords and to fight our battle how did he fight it he lay down his life to fight that battle the ultimate battle for our hearts to break the fear in our lives is he lay down his life for us In a moment here, you're going to receive the the cracker and juice today. And I hope if you're online, you can join us on this. And I want you to hold it. And as you do, I want you to reflect on your life. And I want you to evaluate where you are with the fear. What is bringing fear in your life right now? Because whatever the obstacle, whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty is, yes, it's a problem to pray through and for God to, to accomplish it. But what if he took away the fear that you have today? What if that, if fear is a bully, what if he silenced that giant in your life today? So hold it, reflect, and then we'll partake together.
1: Call my name, I want to know it's you, I want to know it's you, help me recognize, I want to know it's you, I want to know it's you, silence the noise with your voice, your words, your truth. Speak directly to me, cause I'm listening. I just want to know your heart. I just want to know your heart. I just want to know your
0: The devil thought he had Jesus. In fact, so much so in his blindness and his hatred toward Christ. Had him, with the help of human beings, put to death. Of course, God allowed it. It's all part of his plan. But the devil was behind that as well. And he thought he had him. But what did Jesus call the, the bluff of the devil when Jesus died? He called the bluff on our sins. It was, it was taken care of through his body and blood made what was sin no, no more cleansing us, cleansing our lives that what was supposed to destroy Jesus actually brought brought redemption, brought forgiveness for our lives conquered defeated sin. Dead's dead though devil thought, that's it. But how we know the resurrection, called the bluff of death, so that we can have life. The King who went to battle for us by laying down his life for us to rise again and give us victory in Him. Isn't that amazing. Jesus knew that already as He was sharing it with his disciples what he needed to do they were hoping that he was going to conquer in a, a kingdom in a political way and power and everything and said so, nope this is how I'm going to do this is how I'm going to win the battle by laying down my, my body eat in remembrance of me let's do that a lot of battles were won by shed blood but there was only one battle one drop of blood that was needed from God himself is one and only Son, Perfect Lamb of God take away the sins of the world. Jesus says, this is my blood, drink in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for this time and opportunity that we can reflect that we can reflect on the when we're in the valley of our own lives and when we may be feeling all alone because god there's times you're calling us to step out of the crowd to step in to stand up to be the one to do that but the end of the day we're not the hero of the story you are jesus you're the one that goes before us and you're the one that fights our battles because you already fought the battle of all battles you won the war and so we declare that we declare it today a victory in commemorating you at the Lord's your table that you've given us to be reminders of it Lord of your death and your forgiveness of sin and of course your resurrection to give us life God we thank you for that work and I pray, we pray specifically for whatever, whatever giant that's in our life this week. Whatever, whatever, if it's in the form of something or someone, ultimately, Lord, we know that the intimidation of fear no longer has to be over us. As we look to you, be the one who's all, already conquered all our behalf and all we do is surrender to you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the King of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. fight you to stand as you do. Our team's going to come and collect your cups. Let's close in this final song. There's opportunity for some prayer here at the end. We want to be here for you in this moment. Even even now you can come and they'll be, they'll be here to pray with you and then even afterwards. But have a, have a great rest of your morning. Let's sing this guy